Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 45 of Funding the Dream. A big shout out to my backers who backed my Kickstarter campaign, Crash Games, AJ Porfirio, who has a baby due any day now, well, his wife does, Cindy Al from Kickstarter, Ben Harkins, Kinda Paulson, and Todd Goodman. Thank you for supporting my Funding the Dream Kickstarter project. And a special shout out to Robert Burke. Robert uh, has a project called Cartoona. Robert was a big backer of my project. He's sitting at 95% with Cartoona uh, out on Kickstarter. And I'd like to urge you, uh, the listeners of my show, to go help push him over the top. He was very generous with me, and then the least I can do is to, uh, to give back. So I want to say thanks to Robert. My show today is a special guest. Um, Mr. Fred Hicks is the co-founder or one of the founders of Evil Hat Productions, uh, and he joins me from Maryland. Fred, thanks for being on the show. Uh, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, Evil Hat Productions. Uh, tell us a little bit about Evil Hat Productions and how it came about. Uh, huh. Well, uh, Evil Hat Productions came about uh, as a originally a, a group of folks who were running uh, scenarios at Ambercon Northwest. Um, and, uh, you know, a friend of mine, uh, came into an online chat room one day and, uh, you know, emoted or whatever it's called, uh, uh, you know, Lydia sits on Fred's head like an evil hat. And I'm like, Ooh, evil hat. That sounds like a good brand. Um, so, you know, I registered the domain and we started doing stuff, uh, our games under the evil hat banner. Um, and, uh, uh, from there that became the banner under which we did some free downloadable role-playing game stuff, which got some notice and some awards. And, uh, I had... Uh, known uh, author Jim Butcher from uh, from my college years, uh, before he was Jim Butcher, uh, and uh, uh, when the opportunity to do the Dresden Files RPG came up, uh, he offered it to us, and that kind of catapulted the company from uh, guys messing around online doing free stuff to uh, actually trying to become a serious, uh, real game publishing company. Um, so for the last six years, that's what we've done. So for six years, you've been doing are predominantly RPG. Yes, entirely RPGs. Entirely RPGs. Now I got to ask, um isn't RPG business dying? Isn't everybody going out of business? How does somebody stay in business as a small independent indie developer in the it's, RPG space? Uh well, uh, first off, um you don't decide, "Oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to totally pay for my lifestyle." It is not. Um you either have a day job or a spouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> or both. Uh, yeah. Or or both, um, uh, yeah. So uh, that that was the first uh, few years of Evil Hat, at the very least. Um, it still doesn't really pay for my lifestyle. It does help pay for my kids' daycare, uh, uh, which I suppose is lifestyle enough. Yes, yes. And you have two children, um, and you get your mm -hmm. hands full full with that. So that's kind of fun that you're you're able to work from home and then spend right. some significant time with them. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a great uh, it's a great half career, right? Yeah, you because know, the other half is is dad. Yep. It is. Now, RPGs, tell me where it's at. Where is the RPG space in well, reality? Well, I, th I, uh, I think the market is fragmented um, in a lot of ways. I think it's uh, uh, many, many, many more uh, games out there. Um, so each one is potentially a, a, a tinier slice. Um, there's been a lot of uh, activity on sort of the uh, indie, single creator, publisher house kind of uh, uh, side of things. Uh, that's shaking things up. And uh, it certainly sounds like uh, you know, from all reports that uh, at the big top end with things like D&D, the market has shrunk a bit. Um, that doesn't mean that you th – that RPGs are, are dead necessarily, I think. 
that's you know that's that's overreported and a lot of the stuff that is taken as a report of uh you know the health of the industry is often just speculation um because yeah you know, that sort of data is not necessarily easy to get at but my company's still been able to uh you know sell m- several thousand uh copies of our uh leading titles uh Dresden Files RPG um uh in particular has gone over gone to five digits even um now i i i think Back in the day, right? Um, uh, you know, uh, you could see uh, high five-digit, low six-digit sales of uh, of a role-playing game. Um, I don't think the market was as crowded. Um, I think uh, you know some production costs were were, were certainly cheaper there. Um, uh, it, it was just a it was a different time in a different sort of economy uh, going on. So okay. that's fair enough. Uh, you know, I it's it's almost impossible to you know get. To a sufficient altitude to take a picture of the whole damn thing. And, yeah, good. You know. a good that, you know, that's, I think that's a good. <laughs> that's a good answer on that one. Let's talk about then. Uh, you have Evil Hat has has expanded a little bit. You're not doing uh, uh, only RPGs. You're now moving mm-hmm. into novels, and with those novels, you have launched your latest novel effort. On yes. Kicks on Kickstarter. Yeah, this is actually uh, both our latest and our first. Um, uh, yeah, we've uh, launched the uh, Dinocalypse trilogy. Uh, on Kickstarter, which is set in our Spirit of the Century universe, Spirit of the Century being a uh, pulp-era role-playing game um, that uh, was kind of where we first made uh, the big-ish name um, uh, for ourselves as uh, as a role-playing game company. Now, uh, and, and that project has been doing fairly well, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we launched it with a uh, – well, we wanted to fund the trilogy. We had the first book uh, written already. Um, so the idea was that uh, the moment the campaign wraps up, people are going to get that book as fast as we can get it to them. Um, but what the what the funding of the the, the campaign was really about was uh, funding the next two books in the trilogy, uh, and we set the goals there at um, five thousand, which is baseline for funding the uh, the project period, um, and then another five thousand beyond that to ten k as a stretch goal. Uh, to fund the whole trilogy. Um, well, we hit 5,000 in the first 16 hours. And by the time we were at the 60-hour mark, we'd blasted past 10,000. Um, so... <laughs> now, now, <laughs> we, we, now, right now, what do you do? Right. So, that, you know, at that point, we said, okay, well, we, we've got a pretty solid formula here um, for uh, how much of our cost we want to cover. And we'll get into the details of that in a little bit. Um, uh, per novel. Uh, so let's set a couple more stretch goals uh, beyond that to do uh, some more pulp novels in the Spirit of the Century universe, but outside of the trilogy, um, with some other authors. Uh, and well, we fun. laid those, yeah, and we laid those out, those goals out, and uh, people have been, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten past the first uh, three days big surge, um, uh, and but we're still making some uh, steady progress. Uh, uh, so now we're moving towards the fifteen thousand goal. We're within, I think less than $200 of uh, hitting that. And uh, that'll get us a, uh, a novel based on one of the uh, supporting characters in the Dinocalypse trilogy okay. uh, written by uh, the guy who writes the atomic robo RPG, uh, not RPG. That's later uh, uh, comic book. Okay. And, and, and the reason uh, I've invited you on the show is that one of your fans reached out to me and said uh, you had some really good, Thoughts on worst case 
success scenarios for Kickstarter. And that's yeah. and that's kind of what we want to talk about because here you are you you've blown past your five thousand you've mm-hmm. uh, screened past your ten thousand you're closing in on fifteen thousand you've had all this success all this money's going to pour into your bank account and woohoo and and you're kind of in the same boat that several other people are when mm-hmm. they see all that money start to pour in but there's a should we say a dark side to the, all that success there's totally a dark side um, uh, and there I, I think there are some ways that. Uh, uh, you know, Kickstarter could be structured a little differently. That could even you know, help mitigate some of that dark side. But uh, you know, we let's talk about that. that. So you 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 have a blog on um, called Deadly Friendly. Yep. And you talk about Kickstarter plan for the worst case success. So let's talk about that. What is the yep. worst case success for your Kickstarter campaign? Well, the worst case success is uh, everyone buys in at the tier where I have the greatest cost of delivery. Um. Right, as so that would be a, manufacturing? As a, as, a portion, as a percentage of – well, actually, it's not manufacturing. Uh, it, uh, I'll get, in, get into why I didn't take that into uh, my, my calculation in a moment. Um, it's, it's where it's the cost of delivery, um, uh, fulfillment, et cetera, is uh, the largest percentage of that tier's buy-in. Um, the reason that I don't count manufacturing in that is that manufacturing is one of those things that very often you get an economy of scale. Um, you get more backers – uh, oh, for things that you right. have to manufacture, your cost per unit drops. Versus, um, so, versus so this. Your, that percentage shrinks over time. But shipping is flat, and you don't get bulk pricing on it throughout, right? right? Um, so shipping and that um, 8 to 10% off the top that Amazon plus Kickstarter uh, takes um, are uh, you know, flat things that simply – Just um, don't go away. You know, that, that they stay essentially the same percentage no matter how much. So uh, – when I'm when designing the campaign, I had to look at our uh, our uh, funding goal. Divide that by the uh, buy-in on the tier where that percentage was greatest, and that would give me an idea of well, not I, that would give me an idea of how many backers at that level um, w- might you know com- comprise a worst-case scenario. But also look at that percentage, apply it to the backing amount. And say, okay, that's how much gets taken out simply to deliver this stuff to these people. Um, uh, you know, th- thankfully we've got a lot of different tiers, and the percentages are, are are all over the map. So I knew that we'd actually come in somewhere between in the range between the best case and the worst case. But I had to look at the worst case and say, okay, if nothing but this happened, would the uh, the extra cost to deliver this stuff out of my uh, out of the amount of cash we got backed, uh, add up to not being able to actually deliver, not right. being able to Lip- cover enough of our other costs. Yeah, if you if you were trying to hit that number, if if ten thousand was how much you needed, and you get ten thousand, what you're saying is is that you didn't get ten thousand. No, no. Well, I mean, let, we can break that down into the two things I talked about. Um, the Kickstarter takes five uh, percent, um, so five hundred comes out of that. We're at ninety five hundred. Um, Amazon can take up to five uh, percent, uh, somewhere between three and five, but bank on five, um, so that we're down to nine thousand. All right, so we've already gotten only nine thousand of our ten thousand. Um, but uh, uh, for example, I've got a fifteen dollar uh, novel that I've got a shipping budget of uh, ten bucks to ship. Um, that might be slightly overestimated. It might be sl- slightly underestimated, but I think it's pretty good as an average if you're using something with you know, decently robust packaging, UPS, that sort of thing. You've got to think about all of that stuff. Um, 
so that $10 budget for shipping is 40% of the 25. So if nothing but people buying in at the $25 level happened, uh, I would end up with another 40% taken off of that total, right? So that's another $4,000 taken off of that 10,000. So hitting 10,000, I'm only getting 5,000 to actually put towards the development costs, the printing costs and all of that. And you didn't even take into consideration uh, at $10,000, that's being reported to the IRS and they're coming saying, hey, pay your taxes on that $10,000. Right. Well, I mean, you need to also track all of those expenses because, uh, uh, you know, I I say that, you know, 50% is in aggregate is coming off of that. That's an expense, right? I I, I, I would say, yes, I got $10,000 of income, but I had... You know, I don't know. Um, by that, by the end of it, printing and printing and all that, I, mean, I had eight thousand dollars of expenses. I'm, you know, the, the the net income there is two thousand. Right. Um, uh, uh, but that doesn't mean that you that I don't have to then expect. Oh yeah, out of that two thousand dollar profit, you know, I don't know, thirty forty percent of that's going to go to the government. Right. Um, and then and you've got all and and we haven't even yeah. Now you haven't talked about any type of the the production that went into. The pre-production that went into for the artwork, for mm-hmm. the, uh, all of the things that if you did advertising on anybody's sites, um, yep, all of those type of things. And and you know, hopefully, I've I've uh, done the algebra here such that okay, I know that I'm deliver, I'm potentially delivering, uh, uh, you know, uh, twenty-five dollar uh, tier, fifteen dollar, only fifteen dollars of that actually going towards the the book's production and printing costs. Um, you know, hopefully, I've looked at that scenario and said, uh, okay, I'm going to set my goal at a high enough level such that I'm getting enough of what I need to cover that part of it because, uh, you know, I can't go to the poor house because I, you know, didn't, right. uh, didn't, didn't account for what it would cost to ship people. So what do you tell uh, people? What do you tell people who intellectually in their head know what you're saying, but emotionally you're telling them to actually ask for more money than they're comfortable asking for in order for them to be successful? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Actually, um, if you are not comfortable asking for that much, then you must find your comfort in covering the extra costs that you're going to have beyond the money you get. Uh, that's to an extent what we did here, because w- one of the things I did, I was, uh, since we were doing a fiction Kickstarter, I looked around at a few other novel, uh, uh, Kickstarters and I got the sense that about the most that people would be willing to fund for a single novel was about $5,000. So while if I wanted to cover absolutely all of my expenses, um, uh, I probably would have wanted to set, uh, it more at, I don't know, 7,500 or something like that, uh, uh, per novel, I didn't feel like the market on Kickstarter would bear that, or at least I didn't have confidence that it would. Um, so I had to essentially say, okay, uh, you know, if this blows up in this way, um, and uh, it, am I okay with carrying at least a third of the costs myself outside of the money that comes in for the Kickstarter? Um, and you know, thankfully, as a publisher, you know, if I was, it was if I was just the author here, you know, uh, tapping away on my computer in my basement or something like that, and uh, not necessarily with a lot of budget uh, uh, until the money from the Kickstarter came in, come in I might be kind of goosed. Um, but, uh, you know, we had some success from our, our RPG side that meant that we had a, a, you know, a war chest that we could spend on um, additional expenses, some marketing, some elements like that. Um, 
you know, so that's that's part of it. Is is that if you if you aren't comfortable asking for it, well, you're going to have to pay it anyway if you hit success. And that, so and then so let's just talk. We only have a couple of minutes left. Let's sure. just c- come back then and using this scenario of okay, maybe I'm not comfortable reaching up there to that that higher number of a, of a goal. So what can I do on my pledges to kind of limit my exposure to that worst case success scenario? Well, one of the things that we've done with ours, um, uh, we're not just doing physical goods. Uh, we also have. Uh, some uh, people can get the novels in ebook form. Um, that is essentially an almost zero cost to deliver uh, for us. So when people are buying in that, they're essentially uh, soaking some of that worst case percentage up. Um, so what I think that's just one example of uh, a low cost to deliver slash best case success tier. Um, and that could actually be a significant like, – that could be like a $10 entry level versus the other one that was 25 Exactly, which is, which is what we did. We have a $10. You get whatever novels are funded um, by this. It's no, co- no cost for us to deliver it in essence, um, uh, and uh, it's where the majority of our backers have gone. We got out of uh, over 400 backers, we've gotten uh, 220 uh, or so backers at that $10 level. Um, and that uh, takes us from uh, you know a case where – 30 to 40 percent of our uh, uh, physical goods uh, tier backing cash is going towards delivering them uh, uh, to uh, so you know 40 percent of our, our project money is going towards that sort of stuff uh, with those uh, ten dollar tiers and their low cost of delivery uh, we're actually seeing more like only about 26 percent or so of um, the cash that we've raised being going towards cost of delivery all right well that's uh, so you haven't had your worst case success. And then the- <laughs> right, we, we we haven't, but uh, you know, we we had to foresee it and say, okay, uh, both a what can we do to mitigate that with low cost of delivery extras that people will be willing to pay for, uh, and uh, b what sort of budget can we establish that we are willing to spend outside of whatever we raise from this Kickstarter to cover the overage. And so, my last question, as we wrap up, with like the last thirty seconds or so here, would you rather have? A tier level where you have to find a lot of little backers, or would you rather have a tier level level where you need only a few big backers? Which one's your preference? Particularly with uh, us pushing into a fiction space that we haven't been in before, uh, I'm just as interested in getting audiences I am in getting dollars. So for me, it's a uh, the the where the sweet spot where it's at is that ten dollar tier where we've got lots of backers uh, coming in uh, for a relatively small buy-in. Great. Fred, thank you so much for taking a few minutes with us on the show. Absolutely. The 20 minutes go by so fast, uh, and, there's, <laughs> and there's so much more that we could talk about on that topic. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, you... drop, drop by my blog if, you've, uh, if you want to keep it going. I mean, and how I've, do people find your blog? How do people uh, find your blog? Deadlyfredly.com. Deadlyfredly.com. And also, Fred, will, you will be at uh, PAX. Yes, I'll uh, be at PAX East, and I'll be on the Kickstarter panel that I believe is happening early Sunday afternoon. All right, so if people are going to be in the Boston area for that, they can come by and say hi to Fred himself. Fred, thanks again. Thank you so much for sharing a lot of your expertise and insights on this. Absolutely. Thanks, man. You've been listening to Funding the Dream, a podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. Thank you for listening. Take care.